your Bible? Hallelujah. This is the only part about the Bible study that we're going to look at. Then we're going to go back to preaching. I want you to see something here. Hallelujah. John chapter 4, verse 36. Jesus just said to lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. Then he goes on to say, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Do you understand what that means? Now Jesus is talking about a harvest here. He says, he that reaps. The reaper is the one that actually does the harvesting after it's already come to fruition. And he said, he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit. When God gave you the Holy Ghost, the character development that's supposed to take place in your life through preaching and praying and living this Christian life is supposed to produce fruit. I heard one preacher say, you know what's the problem with the church? They're eating their own fruit. The fruit's for them to taste. Hallelujah. <laughs> Did I hit a nerve or something? I should have never talked about food. That's it. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. We're the reapers. Who does the sowing? Now watch this, folks. Look at verse 37. And herein is that saying true. One soweth. Is that a capital O I see on one? You know who's doing the sowing while we're sitting here worshiping? You guys starting to get this? Is that a capital O I see there? You know who's out there this minute working on lives and working on situations? God is the one that sows and we're the reapers. While we're sitting here, there's a guy drinking a bottle of beer saying, I wish there's a way out of here. While we're here talking, there's a fornicator saying, I just can't take it anymore. While we're here to sin, there's somebody that came right out of your very situation saying, I've got to have something better. God is doing the selling. Some of you still haven't got it. God is working 24 hours a day, preparing the human heart, leading and guiding. We are the witnesses that reap. But when you got your water pot, and you got your car, and you got your little house, and you got your little two-bit-for-nothing job, and that's all you think about, you've lost your witness. You're there on the job. You're working. You tell the guy you're a Christian. No immediate response. Don't mean the guy's never going to be saved. But lo and behold, three months down the road, guy has a divorce. Got a broken heart. Who's he go to on the job? Your next door neighbor. 
Her husband got killed in a hunting accident. She knows you're a Christian. You've gone to church faithful for 8, 9, 10, 20 years. Who she go to for comfort? What you need to understand is God's on the other side of this, working on the human element, preparing them so that you walk in with your witness and say, here it is. That's why you're, you're called upon at any given moment to have a witness. got to understand friend is the people that lives are being torn apart I know that we're racing with the rapture two words have never been spoken but I'm here to tell you something the byproduct of such a sinful age is like squeezing out the remnants of, of, of water out of a rag is that the few drops that fall on the ground will receive Jesus Christ because you see sin warps and twists people to their lives are shattered and they go please lead me somewhere lead me somewhere that's why God's got people like us here to reach back into a world and say here's the light here's the truth here's the power I'm a witness leave your water pot let me lead you to him And that's why we have to go in for a week or two and follow the Holy Ghost and work on mechanical problems to help you run more effectively as a witness. Do you want it? Do you want reality? Do you want to be a witness? Or do you want to sit here sucking your thumb thinking about your little problems? God's called you to be a witness to this lost city. saying preacher that's kind of tough you just told us you loved us now you're talking to us like this I do love you but I love God and I love the work of God and there's people outside these walls that God's working in their life he's leading and guiding as tears streak down their face in the nighttime hours with no lights on and they go I wonder if there's a God I wonder if there's somewhere I can turn we're the reapers that step in and say hey I know where you can go One soweth and another reapeth. And that's when we rejoice together. You see, there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. The devil tries to tell us we've lost our witness. The devil tries to get us to lose our testimony. But see... Your testimony is his testimony. Your testimony begins at repentance. If you got a problem, repent. Get it under the blood and start being a witness again. These are the last words of Jesus Christ that he said to his disciples. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. What are you talking about? Doing the work of God is not work. Doing the will of God is not work. You see, when, when there's a harvest, the sower 
and the reaper rejoice. But some of you have picked up your water pots and you found joy in the water pot of old. You patched it back up with glue. And whatever your situation is, you need to put your joy back in the fact that you're a called witness for Jesus Christ. And your joy is his joy. This city needs a witness that speaks truth in love. It's so much easier if I'm out there on the street and I run into a guy and I hear him talking to somebody about church. How are you baptized? Well, I was baptized in the one, two, three. See, you don't have it. I'm going to tell you what, you don't know what spirit you're of when you do that stuff. Peter turned to Jesus and said, no, Lord, you can't crucify. we got to keep you around. He whipped around and said, get thee hence, Satan. He didn't know the true scope and meaning of what he was. I rarely ever get into doctrine unless I have to or unless I find out that the guy on the other side can handle it. And then I speak the truth as much as I can in love. Why? Because he can feel your spirit. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are entered into their labors. Who is out there doing the work for us? I'm telling you folks, this is a revelation. Forget that crying kid. He'll keep on crying. This is more important than that crying kid. God bless crying kids. I got one over there that's crying. But what the Lord is saying is this. All these other denominations out there, they're just setting the stage for us. What the devil wants to do is get a couple guys that believe in Christ just sitting there yanking on each other while there's a bunch of sinners over there going, See? That's what I told you. Paul said, I just glory in that Christ is being preached. One by strife and one by contention. I just glory that he's being preached. Why? Because the ultimate concern is when the apostolics get on the scene, here comes power. Here comes truth. Here comes light. Here comes love. Here comes the true witnesses. Because God needs a witness in Hutchinson to carry this thing on. You are witnesses if you've got the Holy Ghost. It was a revelation to me. We're not the ones sowing. God's out there sowing. Now I know that we preach the word and that's a type of sowing inside the church or preaching wherever we're at. But God is in every human situation arranging that situation in such a way that maybe, just maybe, they'll say, I wonder if there's a God. God uses grief. God uses heartbreaks. God uses situations where people are near death. Why? Because with every rising sun over the eastern sky, it brings another opportunity to reach out to a living God. We're the reapers. 
Some of you are grim reapers. Our world is seeking an experience tonight. The young girl that will have sex under peer pressure is looking for a bona fide experience. The person that's out there looking for that perfect drug experience is looking for something higher than that. The lady that's out there pushing her supermarket cart looking for a daddy for her children is needing an experience. They need their water pot to be left at their altar and let God arise through the witnesses. You and I are witnesses and nothing less. I challenge you to inspect yourself tonight and what kind of witness that you are exemplifying. Some people, some people use doctrine as a club. You want to know why? Well, tell you why. Because vulnerability brings fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And fear gets us to withdraw. Come on in and have a seat, friend. Hallelujah. Well, you lose one, but you get one. God is good to us. And we are witnesses of the truth in love. Hallelujah. Now going back to this situation where the woman was in the city telling these people, listen closely. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman which testified. You know what Jesus was saying in about four verses? You know what Jesus was saying in those four verses that he said to his disciples? This woman is getting ready to live out what Jesus just told his disciples. When many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto Jesus for themselves, they besought him that he would stay with them and he abode there two days. Now I want you to get this. The woman had an experience with the Lord. She went back into her city and began to witness. Because of her witness, they went out to seek Jesus themselves. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of your witness, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus was telling his disciples at the exact same time that this woman was exemplifying what he was teaching them. That through the words of your mouth, people will come to find out who he is. Because they need an experience. Does Hutchinson have a witness? We moan and groan because we're put under the microscopic introspection of our consciences. 
The Bible says that they believed not because of her words, but they experienced Jesus Christ for himself. You can't put people down and expect to lead them. If people want to be led, they'll get it. Filled with the Holy Ghost. That's another potential for a whole other realm of society to be hit with the gospel. And ultimately, God begins to sow in their life until we can reap them. But if you don't win this, God can't use you. And witness is the foundation of Christian experience and Christian performance. And the reason that it gets quiet right now is you know. These guys here ain't got no problem. I'm not saying anybody here's got a problem. You examine yourself. Paul said to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith or not. But you see the concept. It's not work. It's not anything that you have to prepare. God is the one that prepares the human heart and the human experience. All you do is live it. All you do is talk it. All you do is rejoice. All you do is get the Bible study. All you do is get the church. All you do is worship. All you do is get involved and let God be God through you. And then you have your witness. So I leave you with a challenge. Jesus Christ had a biblical prescription for winning an entire city. And this was the very city that Philip went in in Acts chapter 8 and preached. And they ultimately immediately received him. And there was great revival there. Because it had been prepared by a witness. Let's stand. Hallelujah. There's nothing that is really stopping us except ourselves. You're probably saying, Brother Mayo, what are we going to do about these people that need God? God's preparing them right now. God prepares them during the preaching. What are you talking about? Well, the preached word is invisible. God's already working. All these people out throughout this city, they're working for us. You have to understand. They are working for the truth. But there's nothing really that holds us back except us. I remember the story of uh, a man that went to a circus one day. And he saw a big, huge elephant, full-grown elephant. Had a little piece of twine hanging off the elephant's leg. Please listen closely to this story. 
little piece of twine was tied to the elephant's leg and went to a stake five, six yards away. One of the guys went up to the trainer and he was, he was shocked that they'd have a little old bitty rope there holding the, holding the elephant there. The guy said, you mean to tell me that rope is holding that big elephant? He said, no. No, he said, while that elephant was growing, we put a bigger rope on it. And every time he got so far, five, six meters away from the stake, he'd fill a big old yank. And he just figures now, whenever he gets out that far, that he's just going to feel a, rank, a yank, so he never gets out that far. He was psyched out. The guy said, well... Doesn't he know if he can get a little bit further out there, he can just pull that thing right out? He says, no, he's held in bondage by his memory. The only thing that holds us back is us. The momentum of this revival is citywide. If they had a Colosseum big enough and we packed all of Hutchinson in, and began to worship and carry on and preach and people sat through the whole thing I guarantee you there'd be hundreds of converts the only thing that holds you back from being a witness is you you're held in bondage by your memory and when you feel the tug you equate that with work and you become depressed and get back into your rut. Someone described a rut as a grave with both ends kicked out of it. You say, preacher, can't you leave us with something to have us bite in the ceilings? We can bite the ceiling over this. But see, we're people of the name. We're people of the Spirit. Who else has God got in this city? If He's going to use anybody, He's got to use us. We're the reapers. We have to quit limiting God. He's already prepared it. We have to just go in and be what we are. What stops you? Fear, doubt, anxiety? We've handled that in this revival. Your answers already come across this pulpit to run effectively in Jesus Christ. The only thing I really didn't preach on is unbelief. I don't think that's the problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Or would we? To those of you that are visiting with us tonight, there's a God in the house. Unseen, immortal, invisible, omnipresent, omnipotent, that has all power. But like we preached earlier this week, the, the way to get the shackles broken off of our lives is to praise. We need to crank the fires of praise up here tonight. Let this Word of God sink in deep. You see, while you're on the job and while you're in your house, 
And wherever you are, God is, is, is creating circumstances around His witness. But our eyes need to lift up and see. Depression puts our eyes on the ground. Fear causes us to close our eyes. But the Bible says, let God arise in your heart. Let your enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. The enemy's not going to steal what's happening around here tonight. You can interpret this as just a tongue lashing from some young preacher. But that's not the way it is at all. Because you see, we're fellow laborers with him. That's the way he wants it. That's his perspective of this. That's not my concept. It's God's perspective that he needs you. He needs you to reap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Everybody in the house, let's praise the Lord. Let God arise in your hearts. Hallelujah. Let God arise in your hearts. Let your enemies be scattered. The devil can't stop you. The devil can't push you. The devil can't make you do nothing you won't do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him because he's worthy. Praise him because he's great. Praise him because he's already working. He's working on your mama. He's working on your daddy. He's working on your brother. He's working on your sister. He's working on the job. He's working in the supermarket. He's working downtown. He's working across the street. He's working in the supermarkets. He's working at the quick stop. He's working wherever the witnesses go. Let God arise in your heart. Woo! Nothing can stop you. His hand is on you. You're special to the Lord. His calls on your life. You're a reaper. Jesus needs us to reap. I need a drummer. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. We've moved the landmark here a little ways in this revival. And we ain't backing up. You say, preacher, you're mad at us. I'm not mad. I'm just preaching. I'm rejoicing. Because he that sows and he that reaps rejoices together. Well, you talk about a blessing. My wife and I and old Zach, boy, if he could talk, he'd stand right up and tell you, man, you guys have been a blessing to us. And uh, this is one of the more revival-minded churches that we have had the privilege of being a part of. And you know, it's an evangelist's dream to come in and just spread his wings a little bit let the Holy Ghost use him and when he can be a part of a church like this man I tell you it's just a dream come true and uh, 
We've enjoyed getting to know each and every one of you. Some of the folks here have been just absolutely angelic. <clears throat> they bought us clothing. We thank you so much. You brought food. You have shown us love. And uh, just thank you. Thank you very much. I consider this church to be very, very blessed to have a pastor like Brother Elder. Oh God, give us a thousand Brother Elders. And this man has fed my soul between the lines. He probably doesn't even know where and when and how, but he has. And uh, he is a man that reminds me very, very much of my pastor. The stability, the uh, consistency of this man is, is a quality that is rare. And uh, it is my wish and desire that our friendship will go on to the rapture and then into eternity, I'm sure, that it will. Praise God. Sister Elder is everything a woman of God you know these are folks that they don't live one thing at church and one thing at home when you find some Christians like that folks you better hang on now, Tammy Faye Baker's trying to have her own ministry while old Jimmy behind bars and uh, hallelujah John chapter 4 Begin for speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have a Bible, you're a visitor tonight, but you're with us, please look on with somebody. Um, this, for at least a little while here, we're going to be going through John chapter 4, and I'd like you to know exactly what we're saying here. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Hallelujah. Skipping to verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water at the well where Jesus was. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Skipping down to verse 9 and 10. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me? Which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou, if thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Skipping down to verse 15, please. The woman saith unto Jesus, Sir, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Hallelujah. Skipping over to verse 25. The woman saith unto Jesus, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus says unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Hallelujah. Verse 28, 
In response to this last thing that Jesus Christ said, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? If you're a visitor with us tonight, you're, you're amongst the people that when we found the Lord, we left our water pot behind. Hallelujah. Because we got the water on the inside. Skipping down to verse 39, we'll read to, the, to verse 42. And many of the Samaritans, in response to what the woman had said, of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified... He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, when they came unto Jesus, they besought him that he would tarry with them or stay with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said to the woman, now this is what the fellow Samaritans said back to the woman after they had met Jesus for their own selves. They said to the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The message that I would like to leave with this church, and I prayerfully ask that the momentum continue on, is a witness for a city a witness for a city father we come before you tonight thankful god for the move of your spirit that we've experienced in this revival god we stand in awe of your power that has literally transformed the hearts and minds of many that had entered into this building in the last three weeks father we pray that your touch stay upon those god that have not found their footpath back to the house of god but we ask tonight also, God, that you would open up the understanding of each and every visitor. We pray, God, that the impression to Word of God would make impact into the human heart, allowing them to make a rational decision for you. We ask it humbly in the awesome, matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we're thankful. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. Let's give the Lord a rousing hand praise. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. A witness for a city. You may, at the beginning here, start to consider that maybe that's a strange title for a message. <clears throat> but I think that as time goes on and this begins to develop, you're going to see how the power of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry in John chapter 4 uh, just a few initial remarks. John chapter 4 is, in many ways, in my opinion, one of the most powerful portions of Scripture that can be found in the writings of John. 
Of course, John is one of the most powerful writings of all the synoptics. He was the disciple that Jesus loved. It seemed as though that his perspective and the concept and perception that he had through the power of the Holy Ghost in writing down the Word of God uh, has a way to penetrate every human being because of his insight in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But tonight, we want to talk to some people that are with us tonight. You have many needs, but your greatest need is that you need to meet the Master. Hallelujah. We are thankful that you're with us tonight. Hallelujah. In the beginning of the scripture that I read in your hearing, we see that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Probably one of the most powerful, impacting remarks that I can make about this portion of scripture is the fact that Jesus comes to us. I think it's a misrepresentation of the gospel to announce that people actually come to God. Because you see, we can't do anything to come to God because it's even the goodness of God that will lead every man, woman, and child to repentance. Jesus Christ has already furnished the whole opportunity for man to live in an eternity of bliss. But he will not violate the power of choice and the power of will that's got you in the mess that you're in. But he is furnished through the power of his crucifixion with the shedding of blood, through the giving forth of the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost that was given at Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. That he afforded man the opportunity to not only come to him, but that Jesus Christ would actually come to you and even more dwell inside. Hallelujah. But on this occasion, the Bible says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Hallelujah. Samaria was on the outskirts of where the Jews dwelt. And it was a very precarious place. Because you see, as the woman even announced when Jesus said, give me to drink, that the Jews had no dealing with the Samaritans. Because, and the reason is, it goes as far back as their history. The Jews, when they had fallen under Assyrian bondage, when God's wrath was poured out on them because they refused to hearken and to turn from their idolatrous practices, God allowed Assyria to come in and capture the Jewish people and their nation. And they became bondsmen to Assyria. But the intermingling between Assyria and the Jewish people, whether it was man and woman or woman and man, the intermarriage had brought a people called the Samaritans. And so with disdain, they reminded the Jews of their, uh, their negative ways in approaching their God. And so they were castigated by the Jews. They were not allowed to cross over into the boundaries of the holy places of the Jews. But the Samaritans held part of the Jewish law. They considered the first five books, which were the books that Moses wrote, to be the basis of their whole law. And where they left, where the Jews left off with, math, with I'm sorry, the writings of Moses, the Samaritans added their own. They canonized pagan writings, but they kept the first five books. So they had a partial understanding of the living God. They had a partial understanding of God's ways and God's laws and God's dealing with men at this time. Hallelujah. The second thing that I want to point out to you 
is Jesus Christ sitting on the well, weary with his journey. He asked the woman for something to drink. You know, oftentimes we expect people to, to search out the Lord. And then they did do that in Scripture. And they had many needs, and their needs were met. People were healed. People were fed. People were raised by the dead. All kinds of situations. But I think it's unique that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And then he opened this, the conversation by saying, give me to drink. Hallelujah. The reason that is, my friend, and this will unfold as we progress, is the Lord was using his own ability to win the lost. He has given us in John chapter 4 initially the whole way of personal evangelism. Hallelujah. Samaria was off limits to the Jews, but he must needs go through Samaria. And then when running into the woman, he didn't expect the woman to be able to read his lips and read his mind and be able to do all kinds of guessing games. He opened the conversation by saying, you give me a drink. If we're ever going to win the world like we need to, we need to let God be God and God through us. And don't worry about all the fleshly stuff about being off limits and about who's going to make the opening remark. If you're in the Holy Ghost, God knows how to approach it. I can't tell you how many people I've witnessed to where I just said, God, I've got to find something. I've got to find one door. One, oh, sometimes it's just a word. Sometimes it's just a thought. Sometimes it's the guy's car. Sometimes it's just the weather. Sometimes it's any situation. But I'll try to drop something where we can start talking about God. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did here. His opening remark was, give me something to drink. Hallelujah. The very first barrier that we run into is the barrier of religion. Hallelujah. Jesus up against the well said, I would like something to drink. Give me something to drink. The woman, of course, like I just said to you, that her being a Samaritan had no dealings with the Jews. And so she recognized immediately that this was a different type of a situation. But the woman said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Of course, us, we that are students of the Word of God, can tell you that Jacob was part of the divine lineage of the hierarchy and patriarchs of the Jews. And so the woman had a basic knowledge of the Jewish law. And she took it upon herself to say, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? She had an understanding of the Old Testament but had no idea who or when the Messiah was coming. A form of religious deception indeed. Perhaps you're with us tonight. Perhaps your mother or your father or your grandmother or your grandfather had some form of Christianity. And maybe you've got a little bit of knowledge. I'm sure that everybody living in the United States has heard at least one portion of or another of the good word of God and the testimony of the Christian church. But I want you to know tonight that unless you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you actually have the power of God in your life, you have an incomplete message. You may have a few of the basics. Oh, and friend, I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm trying to lead you into living water. Then when you get this thing, you'll leave your water pot behind and get a portion of God. This woman had a little bit of knowledge, but it wasn't the whole story. Hallelujah.
But did that stop the Lord from witnessing and moving right on? Friend, not on your life. But when the apostolics can arise in power and understand that the problem is not that we're hated out there by the religious world as much as it is that they're blind and there's a devil behind that blindness, then we can move in power and authority and victory in the Holy Ghost. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood but principalities and powers who's got the power in the second dimension it's the church of the living God hallelujah 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 Jesus goes on to talk to her he's already gone past the religious boundary it didn't affect him much of our world today will not speak to one another because you're of this persuasion you might be a b c d and our world loves to pigeonhole and compartmentalize for the power of choice but i'm here to tell you that the lord jesus don't care what your background is he wants inside where you can have living water and you can leave your little water pot back there where you sit and have something that's alive hallelujah and so you can see as this begins to unfold that Jesus says give me to drink knowing knowing well indeed that it was really the woman that needed a drink but so it is when someone is really moving in the Holy Ghost that you're not so concerned about your needs as much as it is their needs Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that says it unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Hallelujah. The woman says unto him, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She couldn't get at it, but she wanted it. And our religious world and people in general would love to have what we have. But there's something in our world that scares people. It's because we don't look like the rest of the world that's out there. We don't look like a lot of the Christians that are out there. Friend of mine, it don't matter. When you get the real thing, your eyes off the water pot. And what everybody else thinks, Samaritan and Jews and all that junk, just give me this water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the woman takes it hook, line, and sinker and says, Oh, give me some of this water that you're talking about. And Jesus moves to the second level to bring her into a deeper understanding and says, Go call thy husband and come hither. Hallelujah. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You've well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. Hallelujah. And he who thou now has is not thy husband, in that thou saidest truly. Jesus was a prophet. The woman knew by her being drawn out of her situation. You know, you just can't let that stuff bug you. You just can't let stuff like that bug you. Because God knows more than I know. And so I'm just going on. Hallelujah. But see, Jesus was drawing the woman out of herself. She said, I have no husband. And the Lord said, you've spoken truly. Because the guy you're with ain't your husband. And the last five guys, what happened to them? Hallelujah. 
He broke the immorality barrier. You see, there's a lot of people that don't witness, want to witness with other religious groups. There's some people that don't want to get down into that dark level of sin where there's adultery and fornication and immorality. Jesus broke every barrier. He said, I'm fixing to drink of the cup that has every fornication, every lewdness, every vile concept of sin. I'm fixing to drink of that, and I'm going to be related with that. He broke the religious barrier. He broke the sin barrier. Nothing bothered him. He had to reach souls. And the woman said, I perceive that thou art a prophet for our fathers worship in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the time cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Hallelujah. Religious isolation. There's a lot of wacko groups out there that only have a little spirit. Maybe have no truth. Maybe they got some truth, and they got no spirit. But Jesus was saying the time's coming when there's only one way to worship the living Father, and that's in spirit and in truth. There's got to be a balance between the two, and it's found in Jesus Christ. He broke the religious deception. He broke the adulterous realm of sin in our world, and he shattered the realm of religious isolation. Hallelujah. The woman said, when Messiah has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples. Because you see, when Jesus must needs go through Samaria, his disciples were over at McDonald's. Now watch, watch the understanding of carnal humanity and natural religiosity. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Because you see, according to their tradition, they weren't to have any dealings with the Samaritans and a woman at that. But Jesus Christ broke down the, 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 the generational barrier. He broke down the, the sex barrier. He broke down the religious barrier. He broke down the sin barrier. He didn't care about adultery. He didn't care about religious deception. He had to reach a soul. But they, the witness and work in the flesh, are marveled when you talk to certain people. Hallelujah. There's some churches that wouldn't care too much about old Bill here, but lead him into an apostolic church. We love him. We'll take him because we know that God will accept anybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is talking to this woman and here come the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? Two different angles of approach. Even though the disciples were amazed, they didn't say anything to the woman and they didn't question Jesus. They just shut their mouths. Hallelujah. 
And we as the apostolics are fixing to break out. And the religious world is going to marvel. Because they're going to see power, unction, Holy Ghost intrigue. When every human being is have their mouth shut when there's a move of God. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out to the city and came to him. Hallelujah. You want to know why? Because there's power in a Holy Ghost filled witness. You take this guy right here and send him to all the psychiatrists, wackos, and all the people downtown and let him manifest the power of witness in the Holy Ghost. Because of this city needs a witness and all men will come out to see the Christ but God's gotta have a witness after her experience with the Lord Jesus Christ she went back into the environment that she was from did she keep her mouth shut? Did she try to grow her own little green grass, have a two-car garage, and not tell any of her neighbors about her encounter? No, my friend. She said, I found somebody that told me everything and gave me something real, gave me some power. And you know what? I left my water pot back there. Forget it. I don't need it. You people just get rid of your water pot and let God do what he wants to do. You can be the witness you're supposed to be. But the world's trying to fill your little water pot. You don't need it. Leave it at the feet of Jesus and experience him all over. Hallelujah. Some people come out of the world and then go back on a different level. Listen to this preacher. You may have come in a drug addict and a doper and God clean you up and then you go back and try to play financial games with the Jones. God cleans you up and puts you in a job, gives you a car, gives you a house. Now it's trying to race with the next door neighbor or neck race with the world that's running like a bunch of rats. No, leave that water pot and get the living water. That's where true joy is. That's where true power is. That's where true fulfillment is. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand praise. Are you a witness tonight? Hallelujah. The reason that I am plugging away on this is because before you are anything else in the eyes of God, you are a witness. Hallelujah. The Bible says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses if you're not a witness you need to check your Holy Ghost you need to ask yourself tonight if I'm not really a witness maybe I need to check my dipstick or have you picked up your water pot and gone back and played a little game again of mediation with your world Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Then the Bible says, after the woman said, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Why, brother? Because when there's a true witness that's really got to change, people are affected. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, put that all on hold. Everybody push a big pause button in your mind. And now, let's get on back to the ranch where the disciples are talking with Jesus. In the mean, or in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Now I find it ironic that Jesus was dealing with the woman concerning drink. The disciples come back and they start talking eat. Jesus says unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know what he's saying? Your whole concept of living is based on witnessing. needs a witness this city don't need another group just trying to play a denominational little pigeonhole game because we don't fit we're the real witnesses we're the real folks we've got the power we've got the word we've got spirit and truth let's use it what does hinder you to have an individual revival Maybe you need to meet him at the well again and put your water pot, kick it down there, let it break, and let him be living water all over again. And Jesus looks at his disciples sitting there with a bunch of Burger King bags saying, hey, let's, let's eat something. He says, say not you that there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus was using a metaphor there because he was relating to what he was talking about in the physical. Their harvest was coming in four months. But he said, hey, you guys are looking in the wrong direction. He said, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, church. Lift up your eyes, witness. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white and ready to harvest. You're looking in the wrong places. Amen. It was a daily affair for that woman to take her water pot. And we have to do our daily affairs, but...